For those of you that have um, been around for a while, you've heard me say this many times, but uh, I'm going to say it again uh, because it helps to make the point for today. I, when I was young, I, um, I was controlled and shaped pretty much by my insecurities. And I really believed that it was only me, that I was the only one that felt this way. And it wasn't until I grew older and had a little bit more experience that I began to realize that really everybody deals with insecurity to one degree or another. Now, oftentimes we don't perceive it that way as insecurity, but the fact is everybody deals with insecurities. Um, oftentimes, as I alluded to a moment ago, we will mask our insecurities and it will come out as somebody being a bully. Have you ever thought about it that way? Oftentimes, people who are bullies are actually masking insecurity. It doesn't make it right, but that's what's happening oftentimes, is that they are trying to mask an insecurity that they're feeling. Oftentimes, someone who's got a big, bombastic personality is oftentimes um, masking an insecurity that they have. Well, when I was younger, I didn't even attempt to mask my insecurities. They, I embraced them completely, and my insecurities pretty much defined who I was. And then one day, everything began to change. It was almost as though I became a new person. Actually, I did become a new person because everything began to change for me the day that I accepted Jesus into my heart as Lord and Savior. Now, I, I say it began to change for me because I didn't suddenly become a confident person the day I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, which, by the way, is biblical. Because it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, that we are in the process of being saved. In other words, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't just suddenly arrive at the person that you were created to be. You don't suddenly arrive at being the perfect reflection of Christ that God created you to be. You are on a journey of becoming this. Every moment of every day has the potential of being a paradigm moment on your journey of you becoming what God created you to be. So listen to what I'm saying now. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there are some things that you can embrace and you need to embrace. The first one is this. You have been created with a destiny, a calling, a purpose, whatever you want to apply, whatever word you want to use, every single one of you that have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a destiny, you have a purpose, and you have a calling. Every one of you do. But here's what's even more beautiful. Not only has God equipped you with a destiny, a purpose, and a calling, but he, he, has, he has also empowered you with the resources that you need to live into that destiny or that purpose of that calling. But your whole life is filled with obstacles. It's filled with things and people that are trying to keep you from living in to your destiny, your purpose, and your calling. And one of the primary stumbling blocks is insecurity. It's not the only thing, of course, but that's a big one. But it, you see what I'm saying, though? You see my point? Is that all of us have a purpose, all of us have a calling and a destiny if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but oftentimes we don't embrace it or we don't recognize it because of all these stumbling blocks. So listen to me today. You don't hear anything else. You have a calling. Your life is filled with purpose and potential. And God has, is providing you with the resources to unlock that, that potential. And actually today, that's what today is about. The scripture lesson that Paige read for you 
um, if you were paying attention, this is the resources, is defining the resources that belong to you as a Christian that will help to unlock your potential. And that's what I want to uh, help you discover this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to um, the New Testament book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. And as you're doing that, as I try to do every week, I'll give you a little history and context. Because without history and context, most of the time when you read Scripture, if you don't have some kind of history and context, you're not going to um, understand fully what the message is. So let me give you a little history and context for our passage today. As you've heard me say many, many times before, Two-thirds of the New Testament um, are letters that were written by the Apostle Paul. Most of the letters that you read that were written by the Apostle Paul were to churches that he helped over the course of his career to plant. Some of them were actually letters written to individuals, as is the case with our passage today. This is a letter, this is actually comes from the second letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this dude named Timothy. Now, who is Timothy? Well, we know from, the, from Paul's letters that Timothy uh, had become a Christian at a very young age. In fact, Timothy is among the very first second-generation Christians. Now, how do I know that? Now, what does it even mean to be a second-generation Christian? Basically, what it means is that we find from the, from the Scripture that Timothy uh, grew up in a household where his mom and his grandma had become Christians first. So he grew up in a Christian home, which is kind of cool. So that made him a second-generation Christian. But by the way, I'm going to say this. This isn't really part of the, uh, the message, but it, I think the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you. Did you know God has no grandchildren? I have grandchildren. You have grandchildren. God has no grandchildren. What does that mean? It means that you can grow up in a Christian home, be a second-generation. But until you accept Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior, it means nothing. So that's a decision that you have to make for yourself. Don't think that the faith of your parents is going to be good enough to get you into heaven. Because that's not the way it works. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. All right? Anyway, Timothy was a second generation Christian. And um, almost from the very beginning of his life, people began to recognize that he had potential. They could see, you, you've probably seen this in children too, that some, some people just, you look at them and say, that, that kid's going to, that kid's going to be a leader someday. Sometimes their leadership potential is used in a good way, sometimes it's used in a bad way, but uh, you can look at a kid sometimes and just say, that kid's got some potential to be a leader. Well, people were recognizing that about Timothy from the very beginning, and they began nurturing him and discipling him and helping and putting him in situations, even at a very young age. That where he could utilize this gift of leadership. Now, that's a wonderful thing, but it did cause some problems. If you go back to the first letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, you will discover that um, not everybody um, was excited about Timothy being their leader. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, he says um, don't let anybody look down on your youth, on your youthfulness. So he's a leader in the church. He's aspiring to be a leader, and they've been, he's been put as a leader in the church. But people are going, no way, I'm not following that guy. He's the, I got underwear older than him. I don't know if they said that. Well, anyway, that kind of challenge to his leadership caused another problem. It caused 
insecurity. And that is the context into which Paul writes this second letter to him. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, he says this. He says this into this, this guy who has potential, who has a calling, a purpose, and a destiny. He says to him this. He says, take hold of the gift that is within you that was given through the laying on of hands. The gift of leadership. He says, take hold of the gift that was given to you through the laying on of hands. For you have not been given a spirit of timidity or a spirit of insecurity. It's another way to say it, right? You have not been given a spirit of of timidity or insecurity, but one of strength, power, and self-discipline. In other words, he was saying, Timothy, listen to me. If you haven't figured it out already, there's always going to be obstacles in your life. There's always going to be people that come up alongside of you and who are going to challenge you, who are going to say that you're not nearly as good as you think you are, you don't nearly have as much as potential as you think you do. That's always going to happen. So you have a choice as to what you're going to believe. Am I going to believe them? Or am I going to believe this feeling that I have inside of my, about my insecurities, my timidity, am I going to believe that? Or am I going to choose to believe that God created me with this gift, with these gifts for a purpose? And not only did He create me with this destiny, this purpose, and this calling, but He has also uh, resourced me. See, this is the cool thing. When God created you with your purpose, your destiny, or your calling, He didn't just say, there you go. He says, I'm going to give you everything that you need so that you can succeed. Did you hear that? And what were the things that he... He'd been given a gift, a gift of leadership, and then he had been given the resources to develop that that leadership, which were what? Strength, power, and self-discipline. Now, I know what some of you are thinking... You're thinking Timothy's in trouble, right? If he's anything like me, he's in big trouble because I struggle with self-discipline. Anybody here struggle with self-discipline? You don't need to raise your hands. It's all right, I know. Most people struggle with self-discipline. You want to know why most people struggle with self-discipline? Because it goes against your nature. Your nature is to lean into, listen to me now, Your nature as a human being is to lean into immediate gratification. You can say amen to that if you want. Your nature is to lean into immediate gratification and to lean away from things that are hard and uncomfortable. And that's the essence of self-discipline, isn't it? Self-discipline requires you to resist immediate gratification and lean into the things that might be difficult or that may not feel so good. But here's the deal. Most people fail. You think you're failing at self-discipline because you're not, you don't have willpower. That's wrong. That's not why you're failing. In all actuality, when people fail at self-discipline, it's because they, they believe that it's all about them when it's not. We believe that it's all about my strength and forget that it's really about our lack of faith in the one that is strong. Do you need me to say that again? 
You see, the key to self-discipline is not to think, well, I've just got to put on my big boy pants and start making those hard decisions. Completely wrong. I mean, you are bound to fail. Some people can do that. vast majority of people can't. You are, you are bound to fail at self-discipline if you think it's just about me. And here's why. Because when you start, when you get into those hard times and you start weighing, well, is, if it's just about me and I have to, I have to um, deny myself what I want, well, you just start thinking, well, maybe it's really not that big a deal. Maybe I really don't want it that much. But the moment you make self-discipline about what Jesus wants, changes everything. Because then it ceases being about, well, I, I, I don't know, I, do I really want to lose 15 pounds? I mean, is it really that big a deal? Maybe it's not. But if my exercising self-discipline is about a giftedness that God has created, a destiny that God has given me, it becomes all that much more important, or it should. Because this is what you need to understand. When God equips you with the resources that you need, when God equips you with a destiny, with a purpose, well, I don't want to jump too far ahead, so hold on to that thought for just a second. See, that was a technique <laughs> to get you to list, keep listening. So let's just take a look at these three resources for a second. We've just talked about self-discipline. But let me tell you something. When, when you remember to um, allow Jesus to be your, to, to give you the, what you need to live into this this thing called self-discipline, what you will soon discover is that self-discipline leads to a sense of empowerment. Did you know that? Have you ever felt that? In those moments when you have had self-discipline, you start, man, that feels good. I can accomplish anything. Empowerment is a wonderful thing, and self-discipline leads to empowerment. And power is a good thing, right? Well, maybe it's not. I don't know. Because have you ever heard the old saying that, that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely? There are pitfalls to power, right? If you haven't, just look at the world and you'll see it. So how do you avoid the pitfalls to power? Because uh, Paul wouldn't have said that God is giving you this resource called power that comes from dis self-discipline if it wasn't good. You have, if you don't remember to submit the power that you have received because you submitted to the discipline of Christ in your life, your power, the power that you're feeling will become corrupted and you will start to use it or be tempted to use it for purposes for which it was never intended. And that's when absolute power or power corrupts. When it's used for something that was never intended to be, so you give it to God. Are you noticing a theme here? These resources that God equips you with are really not about you. They're about the purpose and the calling and the destiny that God created you with so that you can live into it. Because the moment you make any of that about you, it becomes corrupted. So you, uh, you succeed, you live into that self-discipline by admitting that you're not strong, but He is. You give it to Him. 
And then you feel empowered because of the self-discipline that He gave to you, that He equipped you with. And it takes a lot of strength to do any of that. To be self-disciplined. To um, submit the power that you receive from that, the empowerment that you receive, to submit that back to the feet of the cross. But you can do it. You have the strength within you if you've been doing the spiritual exercises that you need all the way along to, to equip you. Which is remembering as you approach this resource called discipline, you submit it to the, first, the feet of the cross first, right? And then when you start experiencing the, the fruit of self-discipline, you'll be starting to feel empowered and you remember immediately to lay it at the foot of the cross and say, this is not for me, this is for God, right? And the only way you'll be able to do any of that stuff is how? You receive your strength from the spiritual discipline of submitting it to the foot of the cross. Not rocket science. It's not easy. I mean, I can say all this stuff to you, right? But it's not easy. I know it. But it's available. Now, some of you are sitting back there and you're saying, um, if you've been paying attention, and I know some of you probably haven't, that's okay. I haven't hurt my feelings. If you've been paying, my, paying attention, you should have been asking the question, well, you know, none of this ultimately applies to me because... Craig, I'm not a leader. Not everybody is a leader because the scripture is all about Timothy who was recognized as having leadership ability, right? And obviously, in order to, to uh, grow into your leadership ability, you need things like strength, power, and self-discipline. So that makes sense that that's available to people like Timothy or anybody who has a leadership gift. Well, stop right now because here's the deal. Remember earlier when we were talking about everybody has a calling, a purpose, and a destiny? Every single one of you have been created uniquely in the image of God with a purpose and a destiny and with a plan. Every one of you have. And regardless of whether that, that destiny or that purpose or that plan is leadership, the purpose and the destiny and the calling that you have, you get the resources that go along with it too power and strength and self-discipline. Because no matter what giftedness or calling you have been given, you're going to need strength, power, and self-discipline to live into it. So we boil it all down. Basically what we come to is this. You don't get to choose what your calling, your purpose, or your destiny is. God chooses it but you do get to choose what you'll do with it. Are you going to um, sit around and whine and complain because you don't have the same gifts and graces as that person or the next person? Or are you going to embrace the gifts and graces that you have been given? You get to choose. I'm going to complain or I'm going to embrace. Which one? God's not going to make you do it. Are you going to uh, uh, be paralyzed by the thought of failing? Oh my gosh, I have a purpose, a destiny, or a calling, and oh, well, can, can I do it? Or are you going to stop and realize that 
if God created me this way, God is also going to equip me so that I can succeed. You get to choose. And in the choosing, what, what God is saying is I'm giving something to you that changes everything. And it's called strength, power, and self-discipline. Those resources belong to you. And as you submit them at the foot of the cross, which is key to it all, right? In order for any of this to become a reality, whether in order for your purpose or your destiny to become a reality, or for your giftedness to become fulfilled, it all begins by laying it at the foot of the cross. The Bible says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't say I can do all things. It says that I can feel the strength and the empowerment and the self-discipline necessary to accomplish exactly what God created me to be. And it all starts by giving it to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, um, there are so many things. I mean, Lisa and I were talking about on the way over here that this, this uh, resource called self-discipline, um, it, it doesn't simply apply to our um, living into our calling. It, those, those resources apply to everything in life. And everything in life becomes a resource in our living into our destiny. Help us, Jesus, to be the kind of people who um, um, embrace the uniqueness of who we are because we, we were created by you the way we are for a purpose. And help us to utilize the resources that you make available to all of us. And it all begins by laying it at the foot of the cross. A lot of this is just a bunch of religion unless we have relationship. I know that. And relationship simply begins by saying, Jesus, I can't do this by myself. I've made mistakes. I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and to be my Lord and my Savior. I lay all that I am at the foot of the cross that I might become all that I've been created to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me like that. For choosing to allow all of us individually and uniquely and corporately to be a part of your a part of the solution rather than a part of just a part of the problem. And thank you for equipping us, empowering us with all that is necessary to actually um, be the church, the reflection of Jesus that you created us to be. In your holy name. Amen.